It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hello and welcome to the Country File Easter podcast, your behind-the-scenes guide to Country File magazine. With me in the studio today are Deputy Editor Claire Hargreaves. Hello. Outdoors Editor Joe Tinsley. Hello there. And our Production Editor Dave Perrett. Hello. And we're here to talk about the new issue of Country File, uh, among other things, which hits the shops on the 9th of March. It's a celebration of spring and after the winter we've had, I guess we could all do with a reminder of the warmer, greener, gentler times ahead. Um, regular readers will notice that the magazine has had a complete spring clean. We've given it a fresh new design, but kept all your favourite features. We hope that the new magazine will inspire you to get out and explore the British countryside more and tell you a bit more about the places you visit, the wildlife you see and the people that you, you may meet out there. So what's in this month? Um, Dave is going to tell us about uh, the seasonal bit month in the country. Thanks, Fergus. Right, well, um, this being the Easter special, the issue is packed with Easter goodies including um, the origin of Easter bunnies, hot cross buns, egg rolling and traditional Easter plays. We also feature spring wildlife, such as uh, rookeries that you might see when you're out in the countryside, uh, chiff chaffs, which you also might catch a glimpse of, brimstone butterflies and brown hares. And we also give a guide as to where you can see brown hares in the countryside this spring. We also feature the, the best seasonal spring food and food that you can forage in the countryside this month. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, the, the whole opening section of the magazine is a sort of seasonal hit. Everything you want to know about Easter in the countryside this month. Um, Joe, how about the, uh, our brand new Great Days Out section? What have we got coming up? Um, well, this issue, I'm really excited to be introducing the um, the new look Great Days Out. Previously, it's been a series of pull-out route cards looking at cycle routes and um, and walks around the countryside. But as of this issue, we, we're actually putting together a series of mini travel features. So as well as having walks, which are still in there, we're also going to have day trip guides. We're going to look at the most beautiful villages, most exciting market towns, nature reserves. It's going to be introduced by Julia Bradbury. Um, and the theme for the first issue is, is Easter Days Out. So Julia is going to be telling us about her favourite place to visit at Easter, which is actually Rutland Water, where she grew up. Um, and then we get a nice little insight into the, uh, the family Bradbury in there. Some highlights that we have as well that um, in this issue is Farndale in North Yorkshire, which is a secluded valley in the North York Moors, um, which is just covered in wild daffodils at this time of year. We also have Laycock in Wiltshire, which is a fantastic little village to visit. Um, it's uh, the location of um, many of your favourite period dramas from Cranford to Pride and Prejudice. The recent um, Wolfman was actually, parts of that were filmed there as well. And 
not only do they have a, a brilliant Easter egg trail there, but you can actually go to the Fox Talbot Museum, and um, which is a birthplace of modern photography, and actually see the first negative that was ever invented. Brilliant. Thanks, Joe. And Claire, um, we've got a, some new food sections as well this Easter. Yes, you're right. We've given food pages... Um, a really lovely new look um, with fantastic photography. Um, we start off with a regional food pages and this month we're going to be looking at Jersey Royals which are those fantastic potatoes that are the first to get into the shops and have that lovely nutty flavour. And then we'll also be running a strand called Food Hero. Um, so each issue we're going to be talking to a food producer and in this Easter issue of course, we had to have an Easter egg maker and we tracked down this wonderful guy in Derbyshire, literally on the edge of Mam Tor, who's producing very colourful Easter eggs and also makes chocolates. And one of the things that makes him a bit different from other people is that he forages many of the ingredients that he puts into the chocolates. Um, and then we've got Joanna Blythman, who um, has been with the magazine since it started. She's continuing to do a slightly more investigative look at a particular foodstuff. And being Easter, we wanted to look at lamb. So she looks at uh, spring lamb and actually finds that Easter isn't the best time to buy lamb because, of course, Easter is when the lambs are being born. So... Um, it gets us thinking it might be time to try other things or else you might want to try a hoggett which is a lamb that's over a year old so yeah. last year's lamb so the lambs that are born round about now that's right are the ones that we eat later in the year as a spring lamb and the stuff that we call spring lamb now is actually born in the middle of winter is is what comes across from from joe's article so it's quite an interesting insight there and on the subject of lamb, we've got a big feature this month to tie in with Lambing Live, Adam Henson and Kate Humble's sort of spring watch for farmers, which covers the lambing season. So it's a week of live TV from the lambing shed. Our feature looks at a year in the life of a sheep farmer. So you get the behind the scenes, how we got to the lambing stage in the first place. Um, you'll notice on the cover, actually, um, Adam clutching two lambs. That whole cover shoot was a great story and a bit of a... Bit, a bit of hard stress, hard work getting there, but uh, you can see how we got that cover shoot and that uh, those lovely lambs in Adam's arms in a video that we produced. Um, you can find it on our website at www.bbccountryfarmmagazine.com. On the, and on the subject of features, uh, the other big, big feature in the magazine is a piece that I've written on my favourite place in Britain to go for, for a walk, to go and explore. It's the Marlborough Downs in Wiltshire, which is a wonderful area of chalk upland full of earthworks barrows henges and hill forts and it's absolutely magical place to go i hope you enjoy the feature but as a taster of the area i've done a little outdoor broadcast from a walk i did up on the hills there here it is i'm sitting on giant's grave high up on the marble downs it's a, it's a huge earthwork a very steep hill just near uh, the town of pusey just north of pusey it's sunny, there's no one here at all, and it's absolutely stunningly beautiful. To the south of me is the Vale of Pusey, and it's a patchwork of typical English farm fields, and in the distance another great bank of hills rises up, and that's the beginnings of Salisbury Plain, another great chalk plateau. But uh, Pusey, uh, the Vale of Pusey separates that plateau from this, the Marlborough Downs. 
to my west, just beautiful sheeply hills rolling to the west, dotted with sheep, a few sheep here and there on the lowlands. They've been taken off the highlands for now because uh, it's a bit cold up here. There's still a bit of the January snow left in patches, which is quite amazing. Um, Giant's Grave itself is not a grave, not a burial mound, although there are many here. Um, it's, I think it's the remains of a settlement Chalk Downland has a very characteristic feel to it. It's steep on one side, so the southern edge of the Marble Downs is a very, very steep slope. It's called a scarp. Whereas the north side is much shallower hills, or gentler. So it's almost like a sort of wedge shape across the downs, like rippling waves. Um, I'd love to draw you a diagram, but I hope that helps. Now, the crowns of these hills are often covered in little stands of beaches, so you've got a, like, a, like a little Mohican hairdo on top of the hills and uh, you often get things like rookeries there or buzzards' nests. Good vantage points for looking out over the countryside, looking for prey, looking for danger. Uh, I'm in one of those vantage points now. It's a bit windswept, but really lucky it's sunny today. And uh, I can see for miles and miles just... Yeah, I can see Salisbury Plain to the south, but there are hills beyond to the east. More chalk hills, I think, possibly Hampshire, Berkshire borders. Um, mysterious. Would love to visit them someday, but at the moment, still heading towards Martinsell Hill, which is one of the most beautiful of all the Marlborough Downs. Uh, we'll uh, see what's there in a minute. Uh, just heading into a very sharp little ravine. Um, quite unusual actually. It looks like it looks possibly a very ancient greenway uh, track up to that uh, uh, the settlement at Adam's grave or sorry, Giant's grave. Uh, there's all sorts of paths I could take. Quite keen not to lose too much height because I'm absolutely out of breath after that last climb. But it's a fabulously mysterious path. Sort of covered trees cover it so it creates a little tunnel. Um, but I'm heading back up onto the ridge. The turf that I'm walking through is extremely wildlife rich. Um, obviously, at the moment it's January, so there's not a whole lot around, but I can see little mounds all through the grass. These are anthills. Some of them, one here, has been clearly dug up by something with big sharp claws. I imagine a badger. Probably a very hungry winter badger looking for ant lava or grubs or whatever whatever may be skulking de deep down in the anthills waiting for spring to stir it into action. And there are lots of birds that feed on ants and their lava, things like green woodpeckers, quite common on downland, where they come out and feed on the little insect, insect life here. Ants particularly are their favourite. There's a few crows around. There's not a lot of small bird life, I think. That will mostly have moved things like yellow hammers and linnets move to the valleys at the moment. Right, so I've just clambered the ramparts of Martinsell Hill Fort. And uh, unfortunately, well, depending on your point of view, but lots of strange trees up here, lots of conifers growing in the middle, like old Christmas trees. I wanted to see hollies and some hawthorn. Um, but you can't really get a sense of the hill fort itself. I'm now clambering down the other side of the outer outer bank. 
underneath an enormous yew tree. I'm just staring from the top of the hill down into a most wonderful horseshoe-shaped swirl of downland. Uh, that's Martin Martinsell Hill. Um, hidden away, very difficult to find. Um, easy enough on an old survey map, but to get here, you've got to walk a long way across open countryside or climb a lot of hills. But what a lovely, beautiful little treasure of the landscape hidden away. Hardly recommend climbing up to the fort and looking down into that. Absolutely stunning. So walking across the ridge here, looking down into the Vale of Pusey, which separates the Marlborough Downs, or Marlborough Downs as uh, locals call it, from the Great Chalk Plateau to the south, which is Salisbury Plain. Now, I don't know if you've ever to pick it up on this recorder, but there's some distant booming now and again from Salisbury Plain. Anyone who knows that vast kind of no-man's land um, knows that it's, it's a place where the well, NATO, British Army, practice their tank manoeuvres for the next time that uh, they ever attack a chalk plateau, presumably now into the inner sanctum of the fort. There, I've stormed it. Did better than probably some Iron Age attackers years ago, but there's only a few yew trees here to keep me at bay. Let's go get through on a very welcoming bench where I can sit on the edge of the Marlborough Downs and gaze at Salisbury Plain in the glorious late January sunshine beats sitting in an office. Anyway, looking at the countryside below, the patchwork of fields, there's um, lovely sort of mist rising from each little Cumin Valley and each sort of fold in the landscape. Just as the sun burns it off, it creates a lovely mysterious feel. Well, this whole Marlborough Downs area is covered with hill forts, so there must have been lots and lots of petty kingdoms and little chieftains constantly fighting each other, constantly on the watch on these hilltops for uh, raiding parties. There would never be massive battles. Um, talking to historians on BBC History magazine, sort of war bands of anything from sort of 10 to 200 people, 200 men might go off, do a bit of cattle rustling, slaughter a few people. Uh, yeah, unpleasant times, I suspect, but it would have been wilder. It would have been more wildlife rich then. Just disturbed a flock of skylarks. Um, they don't do their singing, their lovely Vaughan Williams style lark ascending there. That's their sort of, that's their alarm call, I guess. There's probably 20 of them, 25, just uh, they were hidden in the stubble and uh, obviously we were crouching down hoping I wouldn't come too close, but unfortunately I didn't know they were there. So they've, uh, they've gone off a little bit annoyed with me. Still lovely to see them. Um, in a month's time, or less, depending if we get a few more days like this, the males will start doing their yo-yoing song from high up in the sky. It's really ventriloquial, very hard to actually spot them, tiny dots, but the song is just, well, if you haven't heard it, what have you been doing all your life? 
But if you have heard it, you'll know just how uplifting, how what a evocative, fabulous reason to get out into the countryside. Beautiful, beautiful. One of the games uh, I quite like to play from the top of the downs in when it's summer and the sunshine's a bit brighter and the clouds are a bit less monotonous is uh, cloud chasing. It's where you stand on top of a hill and you can look down at the shadows of the sh- of the um, clouds on the ground scudding along. And, uh, well, they don't overtake each other, generally all going at the same pace, but it's a rather beautiful, fun thing to while away a few minutes, a few hours, actually. Such things excite me. It's time to descend the hill from Giant's Grave back to the village of Orr in the valley below, the Vale of Pusey there, um, right on the edge of the downs, where I've left my car. So, just one last look at the scenery. To the in front of me, so south, I can see little whipped peaks of downland, the kind of edge of the Marlborough Downs to the southwest, but directly south, kind of looming brow of the Salisbury Plain Plateau and all those tanks and artillery. To the west, so my immediate right, there's a great surging hill really big imposing hill with lots of scrub on it Uh, and that leads away west to my favourite Pusey Downs, that's that's Knapp Hill over there, another I think there's another Iron Age settlement on top of that and beyond that you've got Pusey Downs Milk Hill and Tan Hill Wiltshire's Twin Peaks the two highest points in Wiltshire so if you climb those you can see you've mastered one county at least um, there's a white horse there as well and the lovely barge in down in Honey Street which I may head to later if I've got time I wanted to finish this podcast on, on a high but I've just seen one of my uh, experienced one of my absolute bugbears of a walk in the countryside just walking back into the village of Or, and there, to the side of the path, on a stone, or a little ancient milestone, is a plastic bag filled with dog muck. So someone has taken the the time to pick up their dog muck, wrap it up, tie it up in a plastic bag, but instead of taking it home, they've left it for someone else to deal with. Um, I think that's pretty despicable, particularly as it's at child height, so kid could easily sort of pick it up. I often see them hung on bag, these bags hung on trees at sort of kid's head height. Totally irresponsible. Don't leave it for someone else. Right, end of rant. The pretty village of Aura is coming up and uh, I'm glad I've got that off my chest but maybe I'll have a quick cheeky half in the pub and chat to the landlord. Cheers. As you can hear from uh, from my lovely walk, well, it was a lovely walk until the very last few yards when um, I came across the unfortunate bag of dog muck. Um, it really is my pet hate. Whenever I go on a walk in the countryside, I seem to come across these horrible things. Has anyone else got any sort of really um, things that drive them mad when you're going for a walk in the countryside? Or well, one one thing that I can't stand is, um, I mean, I've already said in previous podcasts that I generally do get attacked by farmyard animals here and there, but the one thing that really 
uh, annoys me about the countryside is when, when farmers have aggressive farmyard dogs which then go out onto paths and attack walkers as they go by. I mean, obviously, you can understand why farmers have, you know, have, have dogs and that they are quite sort of aggressive, but it's when they start to attack and chase walkers is when I, I have a problem have with Have you them. ever been bitten? Um, I haven't been bitten. I've 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 come close. My my dad's been bitten, um, and I think you have as well. Haven't I had to you? get bitten by a sheepdog in in the Welsh borders once. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, Did that, it successfully get you into a pen? Or <laughs> <laughs> it got my hand into a pen, oh, right. but the rest of me was fleeing over the hill. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's pretty scary. And Dave, any? Well, I'm afraid my pet hate is um, very boring, and it's one that won't go away. And it's just litter in the countryside. I hate the fact that um, the floor of people's vehicles is so precious that they can't stand an empty drinks bottle being on there for just a few minutes while they make their journey home. They have to throw it into the hedge. Um, And when I see it, I pick it up, but I just don't know why more isn't being done to stop this. It is very depressing that that sort of toss it into the countryside and forget about it. Well, that's it really for this month's uh, podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. do let us know what you think. Do write to us at editor at bbccountryfile.com. Tell us your thoughts, anything we could include in future. And uh, hope to speak to you again soon. Bye-bye from us all.